pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 201. Today I'm going to chat with Dave Merrill from Recoil Magazine, discuss a letter written by 48 GOP senators to the DOJ, highlight a new PCC from Aero Precision, and talk about how astronauts do their laundry. I am your host, Ava Flannell. Dave, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Yeah, it sounds like it. You just got back to the gym. I asked you if you wanted to start early. You ignored my text because you were pumping iron, which is great. Good for you. Not so great for me, but whatever. <laughs> you know, have to. I know that your audience isn't going to see me, but I am not a swole, jacked guy. But I would like to, you know, be in better shape and look better naked. I think that's a goal that all of us should follow. Oh yeah, especially with me being thirty-five next month. Totally my goal. <laughs> I want to look good again, naked. <laughs> Before we get into it, Smith & Wesson. I'm sure you're familiar with Smith & Wesson. Do you have any favorite products from them? From Smith & Wesson? Yeah, actually, I'm going to say probably what a lot of people say. And I think the Easy series of handguns is phenomenal, especially for those that have some reduction in manual dexterity, especially yeah. early. I called it, you know, the grandma's gun. Mm -hmm. And they were right about it easy being easy to being pulled back to operate to use. I mean, normally when you talk about a gun for old ladies or women, you know, here's this lady smith because revolvers are easy. Oh yeah. But we know that's crap. You especially know that's crap. And so when they came with 380, I thought it was an excellent choice. And the nine mil was, was much better. It's not something that I would want to carry around me personally, myself and run around shooting competition with, but it works very well for mm -hmm. those uh, problems. Like I said, with manual dexterity and upper body strength. And oh, so yeah. I appreciate that the easy series from Smith and Wesson. Yeah, totally. And honestly, there's no other gun like it on the market. They definitely did a good job designing it. And from an instructor's point of view, I've taught tons of people that don't have the hand strength and they've used that gun and it's a world of difference. If you guys want to check that out, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Dave, before we talk about recoil, tell me a little bit about your background. I've had you on the show before, but this was years ago. It's been a while since I've had you on. A lot has changed since that time. But for anybody who's not familiar with your work, just let them know what it is that you do in this industry. Well, so I work for Recoil, which I would call the best and greatest and benchmark firearm publication that exists. And yes, gun magazines still exist. You probably just don't remember because we're one of the only ones left. <laughs> <laughs> I got involved in the industry more than 20 years ago uh, just by joining the military. There's a lot of different ways that people come to guns, right? Some people will find it. I was introduced to guns in Boy Scouts growing up, but I also grew up in the city and I didn't have guns around the house. And it wasn't until I joined the U.S. military that it really like, it caught the bug from it. You know, there, there's a level of nerdery and intrigue and anything that you want to look at. You know, you can, you can, someone can be a nerd about waffles, about making anything in your house. There's a level of nerdery and probably forums to go along with it. And firearms are absolutely no different and greater than many of those interests. And I just kind of uh, 
stuck with them. They kind of stuck with me. It was a useful practical tool that I used in combat that people can use to defend themselves. But then they're also so much more in the same way that your car is more than a transportation vehicle. And mm-hmm. of course, we're talking about a fundamental civil right on top of it all. So I think guns are great. Yeah. That's how I got into them, I guess, is I was introduced to them as a recreational and life-saving device in the Boy Scouts and the U.S. military. And then I stuck around because of all the other awesome stuff I love about them. Nice. And then what is your current position at Requel right now? All right. I am what we call the features editor. And the first question is, well, what does a features editor do? Well, we kind (laughs) of, I'm not going to say it's a made up position, but I can tell you what I do, which is all the ins and outs of keeping the magazine running and operating. I am an editor, not the editor. And of course, our editor-in-chief is Ian Harrison. And I'm on the editorial team helping keep everything on the bus, all the wheels together and everything moving forward. Nice. And what does that job entail, though? Aside from keeping everything going, you're actively writing articles and doing research. And I guess when I say keeping everything going, it's not a very great description of what I do. I do everything. Okay. (laughs) I do. Well, the the fact of the matter is, is that I do do a little bit of everything. Recoil is not a giant company like Apple or Ford, even though sometimes from the outside, people have that impression because, you know, hey, we're, we're still put out a physical magazine. We are a company. We are a brand, not an individual promotion. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the gun industry is based around, you know, one individual. And of course, we have an editor in chief, but we are a group. We yeah. are we're a band. We're an organization. We're a team and not based around one personality. So it changes things a little bit. But yeah. I write I do photos. They put me in front of camera because in cameras because they have bad ideas about that. I do all that kind of stuff you'd normally do. And then I have to arrange, manage, and organize creatives. And you're a creative. You know about creatives. You know about people that take pictures and make videos. A bunch of cats. (laughs) So we herd cats. And then we figure out our issues and stuff like that. What is going to be in the next issue? What is the hot thing? What's the new thing? What issue is this appropriate for? And what are people going to want to see? And we have a little, it takes a little bit more time, care, and consideration just because it is a print thing. So, you know, about three months in advance, we have at least three months in advance, we have to know what we're doing. So it's very important we stay kind of ahead of the curve mm-hmm. on that. And then we have a website and a recall TV side, and we're all stretched all over the place. Nice. And I got to say, taking pictures, I'm going to be featured in recoil for just a small section. I forget what it's called. I think it was what's your home defense setup or something like that. And they asked me to take a picture of all the items that I have by my bedside. And just trying to take that picture without getting shadows in it. Man, this is so hard. People have no idea the amount of work that goes into getting just a really good shot of an object with good lighting and no shadows. And in my opinion, I think I spent way too much time on just a picture of an object. I can say that there's definitely an art to even the photographs that you guys take for the magazine. Well, just like anything else, you know, when you, when you haven't been taught how to do something, you haven't been shown how to do something, and then you don't do it every day, it, you know, it becomes harder to do. I would yeah. also like to mention, I don't want to see everything that's on your bedside, Ava. I would like a curated selection. Oh, no, I left it. all the toys out. I just mm. included the gun stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Im- image, images are important. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to keep moving on. 
Okay, so (laughs) all of the safety stuff, condoms, I'm definitely a condom type girl. Okay, unless you put a ring on it. Practice safe sex. I mean, like... (laughs) When I was in the military, the uh, the joke would be that, you know, I'm not going to F with spiders, snakes, or condoms. And the fact of the matter is, is uh, I'm in my 30s now, and I have children, and I've grown up. So, yes, safe sexual practices are the best way to ensure that you're, you know, able to do the same activities moving on in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to limit myself. But when you talked about pictures, that was really the thing. Uh, so, when you look at gun magazines, and Recoil came out in 2012. When you look at gun magazines and gun publications prior to 2012, it's just cheap. It was cheap. I took a picture or grandpa took a picture with this 35 millimeter Fuji Instamatic and it was uh, developed at Walgreens. And you know, maybe in 2012, it wasn't exactly that process for these other magazines, but they sure weren't paying attention to the aesthetics and how things look. Yeah. And so we're, uh, say, a firearms lifestyle magazine and everything that kind of goes in, out, around and people that like guns, other things they would like, not just, you know, solely one aspect. And our main core guys came from automotive. And uh, that gave us an entirely new aesthetic that the gun community had never seen before and completely changed the game of it. We had our own problems with, with having too many automotive people, especially in the beginning, but aesthetics wasn't one of them. And by effect, it was the same thing that happened when the Magpul DVDs came out in, what, 2007? All the training DVDs prior to that looked like total crap and garbage, and it changed everything that happened beyond. So for the listeners out there that don't know us, if you like really good-looking, slick gun images, you're welcome, because we're what made that popular, and everyone started to ape us. So even if you hate everything else we've ever done, We've raised the level of quality among the firearms industry on on media and images. Absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about SB Tactical. If you've got a pistol with a 1913 rail in the rear, one of my favorite braces is the FS 1913. It comes with a polymer or aluminum strut. I've got the aluminum one on my Draco pistol that was fully decked out and Cerakoted. The really cool thing about this one is it looks great on just about anything. It looks awesome on an AK, an MP5, a Strybog, just about anything you could think of that needs a side folding brace. They have a fixed length of just under 10 inches and a fast pull through design for deploying them. The complete kit for those go for $199.99 for the Palmer and $250 for the aluminum one. But remember, you're going to use that code GUNFUNNY15, and that's going to get you 15% off. And you can find that at sb-tactical.com. Dave, one of the things that you mentioned is you guys have to plan the magazine out three months in advance. Do you think that that is one of the reasons, I'm not saying recoil's dying, but do you think that's one of the reasons why magazine or print is dead because it takes so much planning in advance so it's not always the latest news? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, we still have weekly news magazines and things like that, U.S. News and World Report. I think periodicals are dying simply because people are buying less of them. I mean, that's kind of the long and short of it, mm-hmm. right? So we have electronic versions of magazines. We have different versions of things. And if you notice, none of these things have completely gone away, but they have consolidated. 
So there used to be, you know, 20 different gun magazines. Now there's five. There used to, you know, be, I don't know, 2000 newspapers in the United States. And now there's certainly more than five, but not, you know, thousands like there used to be. And so none none of these media forms ever completely goes away. And if even if Recoil Magazine completely goes away, Recoil the brand doesn't. Yeah. So we have, uh, in addition to all of our magazine titles and book titles, um, we saw what was going on in YouTube and all the defunding. And uh, so we bought our own video servers. So oh, we nice. have Recoil TV. Uh, if you get kicked off of YouTube, you can come to us and you can still have all your gun videos. And not only that, all these servers that we have, or leased, however, you know, the business aspect works is owned by a family owned company that is pro gun. We are not going to have some corporate head in New York lose their mind because of some shooting someplace and we're part of the problem. Now they're shutting us down. Mm -hmm. That is a problem that you have when you build your castle in someone else on someone else's sandbox in someone else's sandbox, you build your brand castle on YouTube. Well, You build your brand castle on Facebook. Okay. You need your own sandbox. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we're the recoil magazine group or recoil media group, depending on who you're talking to from our company and how they're feeling. So we're a media organization, not just a magazine, Mm -hmm. but, you know, recoil magazine would be like, you know, the largest best known brand of it. Yeah. Well, and I also have to add that you guys have built such a name for yourself that when a company is about to launch a product, they'll tell you in advance so that you guys can include it in your magazine if it's three months out. Obviously, companies kind of have an idea of the date that they're going to be doing this product launch. It actually throws off other media people when conversations like this happen because I mean, they're mostly electronic and they're all used to having the same date and having the exact date. And then we have to go work, you know, a particular de- uh, like not like a side deal. There's no money being exchanged. But work out a deal like, okay, our cover comes out this day. That means subscribers may get it up to five days before this publication date. That also means a print shop may get it before this time. And just they need to know about that. You can't have a hard embargo date with a physical product and item that you know that relies on the post office mm-hmm. to get in people's hands. So yeah, but we, we have great relationships with with vendors and companies all over the place. We're always we always can find something rad and cool for our covers. And we always want it to be uh, timely what we put on our covers. Yeah. Speaking of covers, you recently had Chris Chang, which actually this issue hasn't come out yet, nope. but it will. And there was a lot of controversy surrounding this. And it was mostly because of his shirt. He had an American flag on his shirt, but it was rainbow colors. And I actually, I had Chris Chang on the show uh, two shows ago. Did you expect this much controversy surrounding just this issue? Well, I don't think anybody is going to look at Recoil and expect us to always be family friendly for mom and grandma. So my mom reads Recoil magazine because because she's my mother, but I don't think normally you'd have a 75 year old woman picking up our magazine, right? Yeah. When we say things and we do things, uh, we speak our minds and we tell us, we tell you what we're thinking. You know, it's not, it's not all fluff and buff, but then, you know, when people say like, I have no filter, you're always going to hear what I'm thinking. Um, you know, taken to the extreme, it's, it's, 
just saying you don't know your audience, right? Yeah. But when I say you're going to know what we feel, like we're going to tell you, and we've been telling people. So Chris Chang was first in recoil in 2013. That was eight years ago. He was already open and gay, but not to the gun community. So he came out to the gun community as a homosexual through us in 2013. And then more recently, he started AAPI pro-gun organization, pro-gun rights organization uh, during a time when we're seeing increased street violence against Asian Americans uh, during COVID. And Mm -hmm. he wanted to have a new way to address that. And so, and then he testified in front of the Senate. I'm sure he talked to you about all of those things. Mm -hmm. So we think, hey, our audience knows who Chris Chang is. And if they don't know who Chris Chang is, they damn well should know who Chris Chang is. Let's celebrate Chris Chang and what he's been doing for the Second Amendment, put him on the cover of the magazine. And when he did that, he he had uh, some clothes that he wanted to wear. And I gave tacit approval for the American flag rainbow shirt. It was one of the outfits we put out and it represents who he is. So did I think there was going to be a backlash? Sure. I mean, whenever you express any opinion, unless you just agree with everybody all the time about everything, you're going to have people that that disagree with your opinion. What I did not expect was it to be outright hateful against homosexuals in 2021 in the United States. So Mm -hmm. I expected some backlash, but not as much as we initially received. Hmm. Wow. So you actually expected more than what you received? No, 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 no. I meant like, we didn't expect it to be like that. There's something that people are often forgetting about. So for, for the readers out there, for the listeners, look, I'm saying readers because I write so much, right? <laughs> you know, for the audience out there, if you're not listening, so what happened is we put this cover of Chris Chang, phenomenal supporter of the Second Amendment, doing important work to help highlight people that are being marginalized right now. People marginalized right now. People that need help right now. And then testified about this in front of the Senate, like he's directly... He's in this fight. And so we put him on and so we put him on the cover and he's wearing an American flag, a shirt that is rainbow striped, like for gay pride. And we saw some outright anti-gay stuff, but there was an there was a lot more that was just kind of like hidden. Like someone with a, someone saying, um, you know, oh, you're talking about flag code and stuff like that, and flag law, and uh with a thin blue line uh profile picture. I, I don't think your your problem is with uh, with the flag if mm-hmm. you're having you have a modified flag yourself. Yeah. But what people kind of forget is, and it's funny because it makes me sound like a crazy person when I say it, and I know it's true. Uh, Russian hackers were involved too. Cyber warfare is alive and well, and we know it exists. It is all over the place. It is in the gun community, sometimes on these flyby comments especially if controversial, trying to cause a rift. And a cynic would say, oh, it's our fault for putting a gay man. No, man, that ain't not, that's not our fault. Some literal Russian cyber warfare guys finding a problem with Chris Chang being gay. And that's the problem, mm-hmm. not having a gay man on the cover. But because the reaction was so strong, it did show an underbelly of the gun community that needed to be exposed. 
and even though we have some of these were Russian hackers, some of them were legitimate. Some of these happened from followers we'd seen we'd had for a long time. It kind of exposed something that I I think that the gun community as a whole would rather stay hidden. Mm-hmm. And that is there are some bigoted people here. So when you go and you look at the comments that people made and whether they're say they're complaining about flag code or this, this or this. If you go and you read those comments and if you are or you imagine yourself as a homosexual and you're curious about guns and why are you curious? I don't care why they're why someone is curious about guns. It can be for many different reasons. There are many paths to the Second Amendment. But let's say you're you're a homosexual and you look at those comments. What is your impression of the gun community? What is your impression? Looks like a bunch of Klansmen to me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Just all these people, they look like bigots. And then you have people, the NSSF has been talking about the 8 to 11 million new gun owners in the United States we got from 2020. And it's somewhere in there, we can just call it 10 million, and they are mostly black and minority and women and members of marginalized groups. Those are all our brand new gun owners. And I'm a little bit reminded of DNC politicians. You know how DNC politician will be like, why don't these stupid redneck hicks and flyover state morons vote for me? What's wrong with them? And you get all these people that are like, how can I get these stupid queers I hate to shut up and buy my products? I mean, that's kind of like the, yeah. the other side of it here. And, you know, we got called, got called a, a virtue signal and all this stuff. And what I would say an actual virtue signal is saying the words that you believe in the Second Amendment, saying the words that you think that the, the United States Constitution is for everybody. And then pitching a fit as soon as someone that you believe doesn't look like you, act like you, or think like you wants to be involved. That is gatekeeping nonsense. Yeah. Total nonsense. And the best that a member of a, of a marginalized minority community can anticipate or expect from the gun community, like as we've been talking about, the gun community, whatever that is, is active indifference. It's active indifference. The best you can ask for is I can be gay, black, or whatever, and I can just talk about guns, and then they can just ignore that part of me, okay? And is that better than overt or covert discrimination? Well, yeah, sure. Is it welcoming? Is it say, does it say there's a seat at the table for you? You know, I mean, look, this, I, I, the thing is, is, we all truly believe the Second Amendment is for everybody. And the First Amendment is for everyone. The 1A and 2A are our huge issues, like full stop. That is our premise. And anyone that wants to go, ah, ah, and restrict, uh, it's mostly gatekeeping. They're trying to say, this is my thing. I don't want these people. You're allowed to play so long as you're in my specific in-group. Well, no, man, this is America. I truly believe in the Second Amendment. And then look what happens when you practice what you preach. Yeah. What is the reaction? So no wonder. So yeah, there's 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 a lot more here going on than I think everyone initially thought in 2021. Yeah, I agree. I heard that this particular issue had record sales. Would you say that controversy obviously sells and that whole, hey, even bad publicity is good publicity and 
all that or well you know and, and first of all can we confirm that this was probably record sales well so you said it yourself right in the beginning is that this issue is not even out yet yeah Ava. but there are pre-orders right yeah, there are there are pre-sales. Okay. And this did higher in pre-sales than previous issues, but we've only been doing pre-sales for a, a few issues. This okay. isn't the thing we've been doing. This, so this would be issue 57 that's coming out. When we started out, we were quarterly. We had four issues a year, and we've moved up to six issues a year. I think that is part of what has kept our magazine great, is we're not just cranking out crap to fill an issue every 30 days like a lot of these companies. Mm-hmm. So, like, did the pre-sales do well? Sure. Yes. Do you think that people want to make magazine covers that no one likes? (laughs) (laughs) Ava, if you're going to be on Vogue, if you're on the cover of Vogue, and let's just, like, we'll just, like, fast forward in, like, three years in the future, right? You're on the cover of Vogue. Do you want it to be a cover that, like, no one sees? No. Do you want it to be a magazine that someone, like, walks by and goes... Eh. No. If you're on, no. <laughs> I mean, the fact of the matter is, is we all make media that we want people to consume. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm never going to complain about that. But I am certainly not one that believes that any controversy is good. I don't believe in that because I find that viewpoint mercenary and unprincipled. So if your goal is to just get eyeballs, then you should be going for outrage. Why don't you start saying terrible things about awful people or good people? Just start saying horrible things about whatever, just saying things to make people mad. That is a opportunistic piracy for money. And so if someone says all controversy is good, that doesn't apply to us. We believe in the Second Amendment and we demonstrated how much we believe in the Second Amendment in a way which some of the gun community saw as unpopular. We weren't targeting them. We were extending an olive branch to everyone else. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And while, yes, controversy makes things sell, and yes, I want to make magazines that people want to pick up and read, this cover was not intentionally controversial in order to poke sticks in anyone's eye but it was a little bit of a welcome mat for the 8 to 11 million new gun owners and the people that already know Chris Chang. Every time he's been in the magazine, it has been about, not every time, but most of the, many of the times he's been in the magazine, he specifically addressed him being homosexual because being openly gay in the gun community is still kind of weird. So I guess the, the long answer for your question is, sure, and yes. With an asterisk to it. And will it sell when it hits the shelves? Man, I hope so. And I hope that some other marginalized people uh, see this cover and see themselves represented in a large media thing. We know that representation matters. So, yeah. I mean, the default setting, right? If, If the gun community were a video game, our default setting is supposed to be like conservative, overweight white guy. He's probably Christian. Maybe he hates gay people. No, what what does any of that have to do with guns or gun rights? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. None of those modifiers have a damn thing to do with guns. You know, if, if you like guns, I don't care what your political stripe is or anything. You, you have a seat at this table. And for the people out there that get 
weird about it. How do you think you change people's minds over time? Like, like, how do you think you ever bring people over to your side? Do you tell everyone, screw you, and unless you're like me, screw you? No, no. The way that we change minds and the way we become more interesting people is embracing people from all cultures from all over the world and political stripes. And, and, and this is, we're talking about the Second Amendment, so like, you know, this is American, but along with self-defense comes, uh, comes the Second Amendment comes self-defense. And I mean, it, it's a fundamental civil right. It is not for your, it's not for your tiny little club. And if you want it to continue into the future, and if you truly believe it, then we have to celebrate it and we have to branch out. But all this comes down to one major thing, which it probably we should have led for led at the top of this, is that we haven't changed. Nothing has changed at recoil. We have always been like this. This isn't some kind of, you know, oh, Johnny come lately woke anything. We just talk about Chris Chang was in recoil in 2013. The last issue, we have the pink pistols highlighted. We're highlighting all these pro two-way organizations that aren't the ones you immediately think of like the NRA. And so we had the pink pistols in there. We have had these organizations. We have done all this work before. You just now noticed it. Congratulations. You're already here. Same magazine, same stuff. You just know about it now. Yeah. So. All right. I'm taking another quick break talking about Caldwell. We recently met up in, man, I've traveled so much. What state? Was it Missouri? Is that where we went for AOB? Oh, gosh. I, I, you're talking to me. I've got no idea. <laughs> I, I barely know what state I'm in now, Ava. So. Yeah, it was a few months ago, and it was in Missouri. And we went there for American Outdoor Brands. Caldwell is one of the companies within that umbrella. And we shot at some steel, which is a lot of fun. What experience do you have with Caldwell? Caldwell makes all, I would like to call it like a lot of weekend range gear mm -hmm. stuff. A lot of the stuff that if you want to go to the range and enjoy it with your friends or family, Caldwell is the brand that you're going to see. Like if you pop into a Cabela's or a, a sporting goods store and you need some kind of shooting accessory, I would call a, a, most of it approachable and affordable. Mm -hmm. uh, not going to say that it's all, I mean, it's, it, yeah, approachable and affordable is the right way. You're not going to end up with $1,000 ear pro from yeah. Caldwell. You are going to have some functional ear pro that's going to be very good for you and your family on the ranch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they do, they make all kinds of stuff. And that's exactly right. Is when I think of Caldwell, I immediately think of Bass Pro, Cabela's, the sporting goods stores that have their products all over the place. And they're just really easily accessible, easy to use, and they work well. If you guys want to check their stuff out, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. Use the code GUNFUNNY10, and that is going to get you 10% off your first order. And that code can only be used once, so make sure you guys definitely add quite a bit in that bag before checking out. All right, Dave, we're going to switch it up a little bit and talk about politics. But right now, I would say the Second Amendment is in jeopardy more than ever. I know we've heard people say this in the past, and I think that's just because it just continues to get worse and worse and obviously more in jeopardy. What are your thoughts on this? 
I think there is an awful lot going on right now at the federal level. And that and that is um, the big one that we're seeing. Politics, man, I mean, after COVID and the pandemic and then the election, I feel like everyone is wearing their strongest, brightest team colors and are fighting as hard as they ever have before. And that is also it's super important that we know and understand these issues and how best to address them. On the federal level, we're talking about the nomination of David Chipman to be the head of the BATFE. We are talking about redefining how an AR-15 and everything is serialized. Some rulemaking that's been on the books since the mid-1950s. I promise if the government wants to change it, it is not for our benefit. And then we have all of these things with braces going on. And then braces being, hi, this is illegal. Oh, now it's legal. Oh, now it's illegal again. Oh, wait, guys, for real this time, it's legal. But uh-huh. if it touches your shoulder, but only accidentally. And not, no. And so now the ATF has this giant mess they've created because every time someone from the firearms technical branch gets drunk and writes a letter, the law changes. But it is also important to note with this backdrop of all this federal stuff going on, we learned some of our lessons and we took our vitamins because the last time this major fight was happening, they had given up on the federal level and went down to the state level. And an awful lot of listeners should remember that unless they're brand new. And that's when we got like the New York Safe Act in. That's when Virginia started passing laws. That's when your home state of Colorado started throwing these laws in. Local laws got much, much worse. And what did we do? In response, recalls and laws being negated, the FPC suing people, the California assault weapons ban, one of the longest standing so-called assault weapons bans in the United States of America, a federal judge said, Yeah, nah, no, this ain't right. This doesn't work. This law does not do what you claim it does. It fails on every single level. Goodbye. Now, that didn't mean the California AWB went away instantaneously, but it does mean if that district, if if the Court of Appeals doesn't take it, boom, AWB gone away. They have to take it, and the state of California has to win. And the judge who had some fantastic preparatory work from the FPC, then the state has to address everything in that legislation. So I'm not going to say it is the worst attacks we've seen, but we were seeing it all in the federal level right now. But Texas, you know, just passed constitutional carry. How many states are constitutional carry right now, Ava? Do you remember? It's 20 something. Yeah, I just looked it up. 21 states. 21 states. 20 years ago, there are probably more states that have constitutional carry than even allowed CCW 20 years ago. So it is super important. We absolutely have to be fighting at the federal level, but we did also, we did eat our vitamins and we are winning at the state level, at a state and local level now too. But why are we winning? That's the thing is when, when, you, when you say something like this, people are like, oh, everything is fine. No, we're winning because we have people putting in the work mm-hmm. and it is important that the federal government hear from individuals exactly like you yeah. and not from, you know, corporations, not just from gun rights organizations and not from lobbying and interest groups. Which I got to say, it annoys me because there are a lot of people that are not 
stepping forward and writing their legislators. They're just, well, yeah, buy it while you can. I can't tell you how many times I hear that. All these people, let's say their friends, like, I just bought an AR2. Buy it while you can. I hate that mentality. And I hate that people are like, well, my voice isn't going to make a difference. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And same thing with people writing about the definition of firearms and the braces and getting on ATF's website and voicing your opinion. There's so many people that are refusing to do it. It irritates me to no end. One of the things that we tend to do is believe that somebody else has already solved our problem for us. Oh, it's more than half the population that thinks that. A couple years ago, I was driving along the highway and I saw a fairly large fire. Uh, and it looked like one that I could like get out and I could um, put out myself, right? Like, um, like a brush fire, but more, like a manageable one. And so I start to pull over to do it. And then 50 yards up the road, I see another brush fire. And I'm like, what? And there were a string of like, I don't remember, many fires, like eight or nine fires that had started for whatever reason, whether it was accidental or on purpose. And then I thought, well, surely someone has called 911 over this. <laughs> I, I, I am in a major city. I'm in, the, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, where the 12th largest city in the U.S., something like that. We're a state capital. I'm going along on the expressway and I see a string of fires. There are hundreds, not thousands of other passengers on the road with me traveling. Just one of them's got to call 911. So I call 911. And when I call 911 and I explain the situation, they bring me directly to fire dispatch. And why? Because no one else had called. I was the first one that called with the information about the fire's size type location, right? You know, it's on mile marker, they spy exit, whatever. I was the first one to do it. And I was thinking, man, someone, someone must have called. And so when you think, and, and that's a fire that yeah. can kill people and cause mass destruction. And you can't, you can't get people to call the police. And so then when you think about it, when you want to make your comment on this web page, well, you know, other people might have done it. Well, that's the other kind of thing is other people might have done it and other people have done it. You can't assume that those people speak for you. You can't assume that what some person wrote in their comment represents you or your beliefs at all. Yeah. You know, and so the best way to do it is to go in there and write it yourself and just submit a truthful, honest comment. And it's, in, it's important to do so. Uh, Ava, we want to talk, let's talk for a minute about how one would craft a message that is more likely to be read. So if well, you're the I don't know if you saw on Instagram and YouTube, but I just put out a video on how you can comment on ATF's website about braces. And I'll be putting one out about the firearm definitions as well. It includes things that you should and shouldn't do. For example, ATF gives you the option to comment anonymously, and that's not true. It's going to get thrown out if you don't put your information. And then there's other people. Well, I don't want to put my information. That's basically just declaring that I have a brace, which is another stupid thing that I hear. Okay, well, guess what? If you're on the internet, the government knows as much as they want to know about you, and you're worried about putting your first and last name. Give me a break. Is The video you put out is about the physically how to go there and how to fill it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then so it was, also includes what to include, things that you can say. For example, there's, they said anywhere from 10 to 40 million braces out there. So if you times that by $200 per tax dam, the government's extorting over a billion dollars 
from the public. It's also going to be turning law-abiding citizens into criminals overnight who bought the brace in good faith. They bought it legally. And now with the stroke of a pen, they're criminals because they didn't turn in their brace or they didn't SBR it. And this has been the issue with braces from the very beginning. Yeah. So, and I'm not blaming the guys who were being cutesy, like, har, 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 it's a medical device. Like, I mean, pretty early on, we all knew what it was, what we're looking at, right? It yeah. is a way, way around SBR laws. And I see no negative in that because barrel length restrictions are capricious and stupid laws anyway. Mm-hmm. Other nations that you know still deign to allow their citizens to be armed don't care about barrel length. They don't care. Barrel length was only an issue because originally they wanted to make all handguns illegal. When they regulated machine guns and silencers and they added short belt rifles and shotguns. And of course, the AOW is the catch-all. The original intent was to make every single handgun illegal in the United States. Oh, I'm sorry, not illegal. It's just you have to pay a $200 tax stamp on it in a time when a silencer costs $7. Yeah. So basically, let rich people do as they please and everyone else screw you. That was the original regulation is a grand example of how gun control uh, is typically enacted through racist and classist means in this country. It is only through sheer luck that they had no provision for changing that tax dollar from $200 to to, to roll with inflation. Mm-hmm. Of course, they don't do that with anything else either, though. So I guess maybe not luck. Maybe it's more like design. But the fact of the matter is, is that it was going to be a full 90 years until like the mid 2000s before NFA ownership really started picking up. And a big chunk of that reason, especially for silencers and and short belt rifles, because $200 don't mean the same thing in 2021 that it meant in 1934. But the original idea was to make all handguns illegal. When you think of any short barreled rifle law, you should be looking at like, they wanted to do this to pistols. They knew that pistols wouldn't pass any kind of constitutional muster. So they started saying, uh, short rifles and shotguns. Whenever you see a short rifle or shotgun, you should think about that as a pistol you'll put in your pocket. Cause that's what they wanted to make illegal with it. Stupid laws to begin with. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, that's always been like the ATF's problem. Uh, the, the ATF's thing has always been this gray area, the government, the gray area. When we talk about gray area, it always benefits the government. It never benefits us. So we're talking about the people that have the time, money, and inclination to, to federally prosecute and that have a prosecution success rate of like 99%. And that's because they line up and they do all of their homework beforehand. They also don't go after anyone that they know they're not going to beat. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, changing it up a little bit because we are going to hit the brace topic again here shortly. What is in the works for you? Do you have any future plans that you can share with the audience? Well, Ava, we always got we always got some future stuff going on. Uh, right now, in my hands, I am playing with a handgun that the world at large will be able to see eh, right around NRA this time. And then we have other stuff coming from overseas that you'll be seeing uh, the beginning of next quarter. We are always got something working, and of course, it's not always guns. It's uh, trips and adventures. And so we've, we've got a lot that we're cooking right now, Ava. Nice. That's cool. Well, I'm excited to see it. All right. Moving forward, IWI.
I'm assuming you're familiar with IWI. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, what product of theirs do you want to talk about? Oh, actually, you know, it's funny with this. We've been talking a, a lot about, you know, the Chris Chang cover, but I want to talk about my favorite cover of Recoil. Has an IWI on it, and it's issue 49. It was our Space Force Orbital Combat oh, nice. issue. And I couldn't, you can't help but look at an IWI TS-12, and you can just, it doesn't take very much imagination to close your eyes and imagine it whited out and being used in orbital combat, right? I mean, yeah. just look at it. No, I so, agree. Yeah. I have one, and that's every time I look at it, man, it just looks so different. It's so different than any other shotgun out there. It, they definitely, they didn't follow a lot of other design conventions that we'd be, that we'd normally look at. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't act like a tube magazine fed shotgun. It doesn't act like that. It doesn't act like a normal semi-automatic shotgun. It certainly doesn't act like a revolver. It's a bullpup to boot. There's an awful lot of future in the IWITS-12. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you guys want to check it out, if you haven't seen it, head on over to IWI.us. And if you find any accessories that you want to buy, use that code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off. All right, politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. 48 senators tell the ATF to back off. Last week, 48 U.S. senators sent a letter to the Attorney General Merrick Garland and acting ATF director Marvin Richardson telling them to withdraw the proposed rule change on braces. Every current Republican senator except for Rob Portman of Ohio and Susan Collins of Maine, screw them, signed the letter. Anyone in Ohio and Maine, please write to your senators to express your extreme disappointment at them not standing up for our rights. This came after a similar letter came from 141 House Republicans two weeks ago. In the letter, they state the way that the proposed rules written makes clear that ATF intends to bring the most common uses of the most widely possessed stabilizing braces with the peer view of the NFA. They go on to point out a number of points I've talked about before about how the ATF deliberately designed these, quote, guidelines to declare virtually any brace pistol as an illegal SBR, including that they, quote, reserve the right to ignore the rules if they don't like something that happens to meet the rules. It also discusses how the ATF has repeatedly approved braces leading to the 10 to 40 million braces in lawful use after their repeated blessings. They go into how there is no grandfathering provision, no wavering of the tax fee, the fact that ATF would never be able to process that many SBR forms in any reasonable amount of time, which that's actually something that I didn't think about, but if 10 to 40 million forms have to be filed in order to SBR a gun, there's no way that they're going to be able to process that in a reasonable time. And as a result, people are going to have to surrender their guns, which is something that, because it's going to take years, I doubt that they're even going to get their guns back, which is their next move. Also, they go into how a violent crime wave has been sweeping the country, but instead of cracking down on those crimes, the ATF is seeking to create millions of criminals out of law-abiding citizens. They conclude the letter by saying this is plain wrong. You've threatened to turn law-abiding Americans into criminals by imposing the largest executive branch-initiated gun registration and confiscation program in American history. We urge you to turn back, correct the mistake, and withdraw the proposed rule. It's really good to see that all of these senators and congressmen come out in support of this. 
And it's good to see that they see the writing on the wall. Like I said before, if you guys haven't gone to ATF's website to comment on, there's two different types. There's the one that's regarding the braces. And then there's also a separate form that you want to comment for the definitions of firearms. So they're trying to change the definition of firearm. And let's say that you want to put together a firearm, let's say a palm radio or something. Well, now they're saying that not only, or not even a palm radio, let's say just any gun. They basically are saying that not only does the lower, the frame that basically causes the gun to operate, that every single part, all, to, all these other parts have to be serialized which is just a huge mess. Think about manufacturers. Now they have to serialize every little part that they create. There's so many problems to it. And they're just trying to make it more difficult for people to make their own guns, which has always been our right to do so. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of our regular contributors, Ashley Lubinsky, also testified in front of Congress uh, specifically about the so-called ghost guns. Yeah. Something you mentioned that you want to, email or sorry, send letters to your senators. I think that matters whether they signed it, whether they co-signed this or not, whether their signature on there is or not. We talked about how many new gun owners there are that come from non-traditional, that, that are not all, you know, Republicans and conservatives, mm -hmm. right? It, it is super important that the politicians know and understand that their base has shifted. Yeah. It's shifted. We have shifted pro-gun, pro-freedom. In 2020, the politicians haven't caught up yet. And so all of your local politicians, the, the best way to make an impact is actually in person. But then letters still matter and phone calls. Emails don't. They'll ignore a lot of emails with that. But you, you write a letter with your name. And even if it's a politician you hate, you find something positive to say about them like, Hi, Miss Flannell. I'm from your this district. Let them know you're from you're from their district. I liked what you said about Tickles the dog. <laughs> Great. And then you say, as a member, uh, as a member of your constituency in your area, I believe this, and, and make your case yeah. in, in an approachable way. And the more people that do that, it actually does change minds. I think that people start to think I can't do anything. Because little old me can't do it. Sarah Kate Hopman, her and her husband, John, owned Filster Holsters. But this isn't about holsters. They had a podcast called The Gun Guide to Liberals. And it was all about how to change people's minds over time and whatnot. And there's, but she specifically wrote an article for us in Concealment 18. And it's available on RequelWeb.com called How to Gain Political Influence. And it is about literally how you can be a regular person from the suburbs. You don't have to be, I assumed you had to basically be a business owner or rich to get, to get anyone in politics to pay attention to you. And there are some concrete steps you can make to have direct political influence in your community. Definitely want to read that. But as far as contacting your senators and congressmen, letters, man, letters, don't copy paste email. They can ignore that. And we talked about the Russian bots earlier. They can do that stuff too. I guess there could be like some, some office in the Kremlin where a bunch of people are like, Dear Senator Blumenthal. No, I mean, like, yeah, I guess it's a possibility, but it, it's not, it's not realistic. Your real name, your real address to your real representative and let them know you're against this legislation and this regulation. Mm -hmm, definitely. All right. Manicore Arms. 
you mentioned the TS-12. Well, Manicor Arms, I believe they still might be the only company that has made some aftermarket parts for the TS-12. They've come out with the butt pad, which I think is a must, and it's curved to fit your shoulder really well. They have the charging handle. In fact, Dave, if you have a TS-12, I would highly recommend that you get these. They're pretty much game changers. Even the charging handle on the TS-12, this one sticks out just a little bit more, so it gives you a little bit more to hold on to. If you guys want to check that out, head on over to manacorearms.com. Use the code AVAROCKS15, all one word, and that will get you 15% off your entire order. And they have a lot of other great stuff on there as well, so check them out. Is that rocks R-O-C-K-S or R-O-X? R-O-C-K-S. We're not that cool over here. So I can say good things about Manicore Arms. I love Sven over there, the owner, because he, any kind of weird gun that I'm kind of into, he's like making a cool part for it. I know. And why is he making a cool part for it? Because he was like doing the same thing I do. He's laying in bed and he's like, I wonder how I could... And then he does, but the difference between me and Sven is that he has the knowledge, tools, skill set, you know, imagination to make it happen. And I just get to enjoy it. So I love seeing all the new projects Sven has going on. Keep whatever you're doing, dude, at night to think of new things, keep doing it. (laughs) I I know. And it is funny. It is guns that aren't usually as common. Non-traditional, I guess. Yeah. He likes bullpups. Yeah. You like bullpups. I give everyone a hard time about bullpups, but you know what bullpups are? They are complicated and weird. And that's exactly the kind of problem that, that Sven likes. So, right? yeah. No kidding. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right, today's question is, what are your thoughts on weapon lights slash lasers for self-defense? Personally, I'm not a big fan of lasers. I did have Jerry Mikulak on the show a few months ago, and he was all about lasers, which surprised me. Lights I've always been a fan of, but it's one of those things where you really have to train yourself to use, because I think Joe Schmo slaps a flashlight on his gun. Cool, I'm all tactical, but I got to train with it. Oh, yeah. But... Like I said, I used to always be against lasers. Jerry swears by lasers. And well, he's obviously a much, much better shooter than I am. He has a lot more knowledge. So who am I to say that lasers are crap? So I don't know. Yeah, but then people are, you're allowed, people are allowed to have different physiology and different needs Mm -hmm. uh, for their given situations. And so there is no one person we can look at and be like, whatever they say is always 100%. You know, there's. (laughs) That's true there's a lot of nuance that goes along. My, my, my viewpoint is, and I've carried, uh, I'll say, all right, I've carried with a weapon on light as long as I've been uh, carrying concealed, uh, which would be 2005. So I've been carrying with a weapon on light for more than a decade and a half. That said, it does add a layer, a layer or level of difficulty to your carrying setup. You know, it, it, the gun is bigger and whatnot. I actually found a lot of the ancillary benefits that I found of a weapon mounted light just happened to, apply with uh make good concealment better so uh, in 2005 we didn't have wedges and all these other commercially available concealed carry items we actually have more americans concealed carrying right now than ever in all of history by any metric not just numbers uh but by percentages the number of states it's legal in we live in the best time ever for concealed carry in the united states of america just want to point that out it's pretty awesome i'm glad i live today 
but uh, weapon mounted lights, you're right. You have to know how to use them. And if you don't know how to use them, what is it other than this extra, you know, weight on the end of it? Actually, weight, I I'd like the way a gun shoots with a weapon, weapon mounted light on it too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what are you giving up and what are you gaining? Yeah. Uh, you're giving up a little bit of size, weight, and concealability, or at least you have to have some new considerations for concealing. And uh, what are you gaining? Well, you're gaining utility only if you actually train for it. If you can carry it and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, make your gun harder to carry or more, most importantly, less likely that you'll be carrying it, all about it. Yeah. All yeah. about it. I, uh, weapon lights give you information, extra light. They give you extra information. I'm always going to take extra information. I am also a guy who can, can concealed carry uh, a Sig Sauer M17 with a red dot and a weapon light, no problem through my day to day. As far as lasers, uh, man, I'm kind of ambivalent. Uh, they've never worked awesome for me because I have a hard time picking them up in daylight, but I can see their utility in low light and for other people. I think a secondary aiming mechanism is always a good idea. So, yeah, I agree. My big, long rambling answer is like, eh, it depends. I like them. I like them. And I, I, that's really what I would want people to do is to, instead of just a, a yes, an instant yes, no, mm-hmm. is Scrape one layer deeper. Be be a little bit more educated. Have a have a, have an educated choice, an educated opinion about what your about whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, primary arms. Primary Arms has a new optic that you should check out. It's the SLX MD25 Rotary Knob Micro Dot with the ACSS CQB Radical. It actually just won the Industry Choice Award for Red Dot of the Year. There's a number of really cool features that led it to being chosen. First, the reticle is incredibly versatile for a bunch of different calibers. They designed it so, depending on what zero you choose, the holds with lineup for a bunch of different calibers, such as 556, 545, 762 NATO, 762 by 39, 22 LR, 9mm, and even 12 gauge slugs. And the large outer circle is the shot pattern at 25 yards. You really have to go look at the side by side chart of the reticles for each caliber to truly see how versatile it is. The glass is also slanted to prevent parallax, which is great. And also the red dot, even though it's a 25 millimeter body, it has the same field of view as normal 30 millimeter dots because they designed the body to be thinner. Even so, it's built really durable so that you won't have to worry about that. Also, they have 12 brightness settings and a 12,000 hour battery life. And they're only $189.99. But remember, if you use the code AVA, you will also get a free one piece scope mount with every primary arms optic that you buy. And that is available at primaryarms.com. Today's Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Aero Precision announced a new PCC. Back at SHOT Show in 2019, Aero Precision teased a new PCC. Then, like a lot of projects in 2020, things were quiet. They've now completed the project and enhanced pistol caliber EPC-9 receiver sets are available. The matched upper and lower receiver are compatible with almost all 9mm error components 
already on the market, but they have a few upgrades in their receiver set. As a threaded bolt catch, integrated trigger guard, and threaded takedown pin for detents, no detents flying across the room with this one. Also, they made the mag release extra large, so it's easy to use without removing your hand from the grip. Another nice feature is it includes a last round bolt holds open as an integral part of the upper. Most PCCs don't have last round bolt hold open, or if they do, it's somewhat clumsy added to the lower. It also has a nice flared magwell for speeding up reloads, and yes, it does take lock mags. They also have a version that includes the foreign mount as part of the upper receiver for simplified assembly. Standard ones are also available. The receiver sets are $315 for the enhanced one and $275 for the standard one, which is pretty competitive for the features that you get. Right now, they're available for building a 9 or 40 Smith & Wesson, but they plan to release a 10 millimeter and 45 ACP version as well. If you're looking into getting into the PCC for competition or general fun, they look pretty legit. I don't know. Have you had a chance, Dave, to check these out at all? Uh, you know, when these when these first got announced, uh, we got some hands on, and uh, I know I have uh, a staff member running around with it. I personally haven't messed around with the Aero PCC uh, too much, but I know we have them in staff, and we've covered them. Nice. Before we're okay. actually uh, have some uh, some breakdowns coming uh, quite soon, of which uh, we will name names as what is good and what is bad. Uh, as far as it being evaluated, I mean, real conclusions. So cool. stand by for that. All right, cool. All right, well, walkers. Walkers. They have some new ear protection models that you may not have heard of. I was just looking at the FireMax Muff series last night, and they look like the perfect option for scenarios where you get to communicate not only with the people around you, but with people further away. For example, range safety officers at an outdoor range that might be in different bays, quite a ways away, or working on a job site with heavy machinery. For that, they have walkie-talkie that plugs directly into the muffs, giving you a built-in radio along with ear protection and ambient sound amplification. Another cool thing about the FireMax muffs is that they have a 2000 mAh rechargeable batteries for 200 hours of battery life and auto shutoff, which auto shutoff is my thing. I can't tell you how many times I go to use my ear pro and the batteries are dead because I forgot to shut them off. The FireMax muffs go for $149 and the walkie talkies go for $60. But remember, just like any of the GSM brands that I mentioned, if you use the code GUNFUNNY20, you'll get 20% off. And their website is walkersgameear.com. Today's AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f Never mind. AF. How do astronauts do laundry? For anyone who's ever thought they want to go to space, you might want to think again. How do astronauts do laundry in space? The simple answer is they don't. On the International Space Station, there isn't a washing machine for 250 miles, and that's straight down. What do they do for clean underwear then? They wear it again. At a cost of 5000 to 10000 per pound to launch cargo into space, astronauts wear their clothes until they become unbearable to wear. In a clean and temperature-stable environment on the International Space Station, 
They don't get dirty quite as fast, but they still have to exercise two hours a day to prevent muscle atrophy so their clothes still get sweaty. One astronaut figured out how to wash clothes in a plastic bag, but they still usually only get a week out of the clothes before they're discarded to burn up in the atmosphere. Wait, Wait. so just to be clear, when clothes get dirty on the space station, it's like they get thrown out of the window and they literally burn up in the atmosphere. I guess so. And this is something I didn't even know either. I'm literally learning as I'm reading this. I I mean, I, I have been in situations before where I'm like, no, man, I'm not washing this. I'm just throwing it away. I'm going to buy something new, right? If, if something gets sufficiently destroyed or disgusting. But how baller is that if you're an astronaut and you're just like, man, I'm done with this shirt. And you just take it <laughs> off. I'm not, clearly, you don't just throw it out the window at the ISS. <laughs> but I mean, that is pretty great. Right. That is, like it's five thousand to ten thousand dollars a pound, and you're just like, yeah, I'm throwing that out. Yeah, no kidding. One astronaut wanted to grow some plants, but there's no soil on the space station, so he used an old pair of underwear and Russian space toilet paper, which is basically like gauze. The combination of the two used articles successively sprouted tomato and basil seeds. Hmm. Russian space toilet paper is something I never want to have to experience firsthand. <laughs> I know, right? It's a sentence that gets worse with every word, like Russian. All right. Then like space, like, oh man, Russia and space does not have like a good track record of safety. Yeah, no kidding. And, Apparently. And, you know, and then toilet paper on top, like, oh, well, I mean, at least. Yeah. I take it as a benefit that at least the Russians are like, someone's going to be up there long enough and alive long enough. They're going to have to use toilet paper. And I think that was probably like a really, that was like a mark for the Russian space program. Mm. Apparently Procter and Gamble, which makes Tide detergent, they're coming up with a special detergent and washer and dryer unit for the space station. So who knows? One challenge is the water from the washer needs to be reclaimed for drinking, just like everything else that uses water on the space station. I can't even imagine what it smells like up there. I don't know. Me being a clean freak, and you know I'm a clean freak. I can't. I would freak out. Nah, forget it. I don't want to go to space. It's got to be one of those things where you just get used to it right away. Kind of like, I know that combat stinks, uh, but I don't have like any clear memories of, you know, that, of like the the, the funk of gross dudes. And prison is much of the same way. Yeah, I can't imagine. When you go to the monkey exhibit in the zoo and then eventually you get used to the smell. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you think about this with our space program. The the Gemini astronauts just had diapers. That's how they took care of business. They just had diapers. And they were up there for uh, long periods of time in practice uh, up to the Apollo mission to try to see how they can do stuff in space. So like just diapers, just wear diapers. Great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. All right. iTunes reviews. First review is Jay Flute's 1985 great podcast, five stars. Ava does a great job mixing firearm to a conversations with amazing non-biased news stories, very entertaining and informative and educational show. Highly recommend it. A second review is 5703 at very informative five stars. This page is very nice, especially the Instagram page, Dylan Datto. I think that you should get more creative with your fake names here for your five-star podcast. Oh, right. No kidding. <laughs> I was literally just thinking at the second one. Man, this guy put in zero effort. <laughs> I mean, his name is 5703 at like yeah. half a 
It's like he was starting to write his email and just stopped. Yeah. I got to tell the people that give me the fake reviews to step it up a notch. (laughs) Right. All right, Dave, I want you to pick out of the first or second review to win a prize pack. Oh, man, definitely 5703 because I was just trash talking him so much. So, hey, man. (laughs) And he likes Instagram page. Yeah. Well, (laughs) so... And he likes the Instagram page. So there you go. Also true. Also true. I'm, I'm an IG fan. All right. Time to wrap up. Guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything. There's links to my video on how to go to ATF's website and comment. One to thank the $25 Patreon to our Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guy, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon, still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that when Bruce Banner gets mad, he turns into the Hulk. When the Hulk gets mad, he tries to turn into Operator Tickles, but there can only be one and she doesn't tolerate impostures. All right, Dave, thank you again for joining me. Can you, I didn't ask you this when we were wrapping up the deconstructing the industry segment, but for people who want to follow you on social media and follow Recoil, where can they find you guys? All right. Well, of course, Recoil Magazine is on the shelves of any high quality, any high quality bookseller has Recoil Magazine, but uh, recoilweb.com. It's Recoil Magazine on Instagram, Recoil Mag on Twitter. And um, yeah, when we're on all the other social medias as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, on that note, we are out of here. Thanks again, Dave. I really appreciate it. Yep. Have a great one. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.